the final furlong podcast is proudly brought to you by our official syndicate partner all about sunday the latest trainer to join our ranks is donald mccain to celebrate we'll be having a sunday and final furlong podcast owners morning on saturday april 16th at bankhouse stables to see raffles capital and the 150,000 euro purchase invincible power the most expensive horse sunday have ever bought to join us download the app or visit allaboutsunday.com the ultimate racehorse ownership experience and by our official betting partner kaluki sportsbook kaluki offer betting on all sports immediate interaction with experienced traders with instant withdrawals and the best odds guaranteed on uk and irish horse racing kaluki also have betting pitches at tracks across the uk including additional ones at Cheltenham. Join us now at kalukisportsbook.co.uk. And you're welcome to the show as we look back on the best of the weekend's action with Mirror Mirror on the wall. Who is the finest analyst of them all? It's Melissa Jones. <laughs> Hello, Emma. How are you? From the Daily Mirror, for those of you who didn't get it. But of course you all got it because all of you are reading her excellent content. Uh, let's not ask how I am because that could go on for a very long time. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, fresh from a sunny Saturday. Shame the weather didn't really play ball yesterday. But uh, yeah, ha- happy and fit and raring to go for this. So looking forward to unpicking some exciting action that we've had. Yeah, and also Melissa and I pre-show uh, realised that if you're about to celebrate a birthday, you need to take two years off that because of COVID. So, for example, if you were about to turn, oh, I don't know, uh, 38 you're not really 38, you're about to turn 36. Yay! That, that logic works. It fits, doesn't it? It does, it does. Exactly, yeah. Better believe it does. <laughs> Better believe it. We are young at heart. That, that's it. <laughs> you change your mind now. Hear the song. I'm getting, on, I'm getting on a plane to the UK and having a strong word with Dave Yates. All right, Baid uh, absolutely explodes and um, bolts up against... Uh, Real World, who is a very decent horse, chinned it. Alcohol-free, Group 1 winner. Uh, suspect Mother Art didn't run her race, given the fact that she was beaten 12 lengths. So I don't really think that was her. But um, that being said, you can't take anything away from how impressive Bayid was. Uh, the amount of people who were saying on Twitter afterwards, is this the new Frankel? Yeah, I wouldn't be going that far just yet, but he's an incredibly exciting racehorse and a horse that we can happily hang our hats on in racing. Yeah, he's wonderful, isn't he? And what a sight to behold to see him come three and three and a quarter lengths clear again at the finish. It's a, another spectacular performance from William Haggis's charge. Now seven from seven in rules races, and he's just got that swagger about him, hasn't he? He's a fine specimen specimen of a horse, the son of see the stars, and he just he's just does everything so effort, effortlessly over the mile, and. Real world, as you said, he's no slouch, but he was left behind, wasn't he, in second place? And chinned it, of course, as well, a decent performer. But by just goes for the motions. And these are decent horses that he just makes look ordinary and very exciting for the, the season ahead. We do need our stars in sport. And yeah, he's just a, a brilliant horse. And all roads lead now to, to Royal Ascot for, obviously, he's a very short price at this at the time of, the time of recording isn't he there's very little standing in his way and 
yeah, it's going to be an exciting few months ahead, I think. Yeah, and William Haggis is the front two in the betting with Kaluki, uh, as things stand. So Kaluki Sportsbook go 4-9 to nine by Eid. Uh, Aldari is that second William Haggis horse, uh, also from Shadwell. So is he really going to be trying to beat him with a, with a gelding? I, I, I don't think so. Is he good enough to beat him? No. He's rated 114 and Bayid is 125. Although funny things do happen at Royal Ascot sometimes, as much as I love it. Um, Master of the Seas would be, I suppose, intriguing to come back with a win. Um, Mother Earth at 14s, I think, is is big. I'm willing to forgive her that run. I'm willing to forgive yeah, her. Yeah, it was disappointing, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, wasn't her, she wasn't herself, clearly, that on the occasion. But, yeah, the question's to be answered now, I think. Yeah, Aiden has a funny record in, in the Lockinge, in that I, I think that when you think of the Lockinge, who stands out? Who who comes to mind almost instantly? To, to me? Yeah. Mm, well, Palace Pier in recent seasons. See, I'd say a Hawkwing. Yeah, yeah. And I think when a horse becomes so associated with a race, the trainer does as well. But he actually doesn't have a great record in it. He's only won it I once doesn't. in the last 10 years. And that was with Rhododendron. Yeah. And a lot of yeah. the horses that he's run in the race who've been beaten have gone on to do quite well or at least at least reasonably well elsewhere. Um, Declaration of War, for example, was incredibly well-backed in this race, having won his prep. Um, I think he might have even had two preps. Um, got beaten in the lock-inch, but then went on to go and win the Queen Anne. I'm not for a second suggesting that she can beat him, but she might chase him home. She might be second to him. Um, huh. In terms of his season, because I don't really see anything that can stop him. I don't see anything from the list that I just read out there that can actually beat him in the in the Queen Anne. So that should be eight from eight, all being well. If he stays fit, unlike Hawkwing, by the way, who was beaten in the Queen Anne, having won the Lockinge. Um, because Aidan O'Brien's got an excellent record in the Queen Anne, bizarrely enough. Um, I suppose all the horses are revved up for Royal Ascot. Um... But Aiden does have a, a great record in, in this, but I, I don't see anything that can that can stop him. So that takes him to eight from eight. You then presumably go down the Sussex route because he didn't run in that race last year. He he did run at Goodwood, but not in the Sussex. And on the back of that, do you then step him up to ten furlongs? Yeah, I think they will step him up to, to ten furlongs going forward because obviously he's a. He's a full brother to Hookham, who does get a lot further in tri- trip-wise, doesn't he? He's full of stamina, that horse. Mm. Uh, when they further down the line, they go to the, the mile and a half, perhaps for an arc bid, that target has potentially been been mooted by some people. It remains open to debate. I think you can't really think of that at this stage because, like you say, it's the autumn highlight, isn't it? I think you know they'll go steady with him, stick to the mile for now, then the 10 furlongs. But um, as we say, it's very hard to see any any horse sort of denting his unbeaten run. I mean, he, look at last season. He only made his debut like, pretty late on, didn't he, in June. And then to rise through the ranks at such a rate of knots from June to October, ending up champion miler. It was incredible, wasn't it? And, you know, he's had that nice break. He's come out again. Um, and, you know, there was every chance for him to be quite keen and maybe, you know, a little bit, you know, on edge for his first start of the season. But 
he's just so good, isn't he? He's such a professional and he's just a star horse that, that we all need. And he was more convincing than Palace Pier 12 months ago. And he was pretty good, wasn't he? So, mm-hmm. yes, it, it's it's really exciting to see that, you know, Barid's progress and continuing this unbeaten run. And um, like you said, the comparisons with Frankel, is he going to be that good? We can only dream, can't we? But, um, you know, it's he produced a performance at Newbury that, you know, we rarely see it these days at, at the trip and in the grade. And yeah, the, all roads are open to him, aren't they? Out of interest, who said the arc? I just heard it earlier on that people were talking about um, potential, potential, um, potentially stepping him up to, to one mile four. Um, yeah, just, just someone I know briefly, fleetingly mentioned it. Okay, let me savage that person right now. This is Frankel all over again. Oh, in order to prove himself a true champion, he has to win over a mile four in the arc. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. There's nothing about him that suggests that a mile four is what he wants. And to win the arc, yeah, they go around a crawl and then it's a sprint finish. You need to stay. Like, see the stars had the class to win a classic over a mile, but he ultimately was a mile four horse. Hence how he won the derby, hence how he won... The arc. Um, he was a brilliant ten furlong horse. He was a brilliant horse. Full stop. But and the the Frankel comparisons, like Frankel would have just demolished this field. I mean, look at what Frankel did to Acceleration and what Acceleration went on to do. You know, on the same card on Champions Day, Frankel wins the Champions Stakes. Just but wins the front wins the Champions Stakes to bow out his career and head off to stud the unbeaten legend that he was, and handled mm-hmm. beautifully by the late, great Sir Henry Cecil, God rest him. On that same card, Acceleration bolts up in the QE2. So he goes through a full season and wins a key group one on the racing calendar. That defeat did not diminish him. It didn't, you know, chasing home his backside at Royal Ascot, that didn't... That didn't um, break him. He kept on going. He kept on on trying. And uh, a group on success for both of them on the same card at the end of the season, effectively. So this this idea that he's like Frankel, uh, yeah, the comparisons are there. And I said I'd throw that in at the start because people are, are making those comparisons, but they, they don't fit. It doesn't work like that. Uh, and they're two very, very different horses from two different generations as well. It's Ten years. More, maybe, since Frankel. So, How, where has that even gone? <laughs> oh my, oh, that's another conversation that Melissa and I both had beforehand. Um, I don't think that this lockage was as good as Frankel's either, by the way. Uh, I think that we'll see a better Bayer at Royal Ascot. I think we'll see a better version of him there. But but his max is going to be 10. I can't see Bayer getting... 12, and I don't see why they would bother running him in that race. Now, he is from the family of, if you trace back, his his dam, you can say, is from the family of Nashwan. There's plenty of stamina, though. Don't you think that, I, I think this friend of mine, there's a you know case in point that perhaps they could go that route. I mean, you know, once you've done 10 furlongs, 
okay, you can retire, can't you? And retire as a champion and and that. But um, so many people want to go for the arc, don't they? And and obviously, like you know, see the stars a case in point. But you know, it's an option, isn't it? And I agree with you. He's very pacey, but the the suggestion there at the in the pedigree that he may get a mile and a half, but um, you know, it swings and roundabouts, isn't it? But yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it wouldn't be wouldn't be out of the question. The thing about Hookham is that he's doing it in, like, he's doing it in the John Smith's Cup. He's doing it in Group Threes, and then heading out to, you know, the Cumberland Lodge, and then heading out to Medan and and winning out there, but then getting beaten on the big occasion and Dubai World Cup night. Like in the Shima Classic, they tried him in a Group One. He's beaten a length and three quarters, but he finishes finishes seventh. And it was a bit of a a mess of a race. So I, I don't know. And also, he's a very different horse to Hookham. Like Hookham does mm. not display that speed. Uh, and that's where the yeah. that's where the funny thing about pedigree is that you can have uh, a brother. Like we had a brother to to Snowfall, the late great Snowfall, uh, emerge on the scene on on Friday evening. Uh, who's named after a famous English painter and Alfred Mummings, isn't that it? Yeah, the Coolmore yeah. horse who, who came out and absolutely bolted up. And Aidan O'Brien today is singing his praises and saying the the lads think a lot of him and that he's been held in high regard at, at Coolmore for, for quite some time. But I have no idea what that horse is going to do in his next start. He might be the next big superstar. He could be Snowfall 2.0. Who knows? He could he could be as good as as his sister. He also could get beaten next time. I mean, I I just don't know. Like she she struggled in her two year old season. Uh, she was very highly tried, and Aiden's juveniles were sick that season as well. But you know, and maybe all of that experience then stood her in good stead with a winter on her back, and she comes out and bolts up in an Oaks trial then creates history in the Oaks, creates more history in the Irish Oaks. But there's no guarantee the brother will do, will go down a similar trajectory. Um, already he's shown something different in that he was more, he's more forward. So we have to, yeah. we have to just see. Um, Amy Lynham, I think, described it really well on the podcast about pedigrees. It's, it's, it's not an exact science uh, in our blood, not, no. the first of our bloodstock specials, but what is an kind of an exact science is what you see on the track and what I see on the track is an explosive burst of pace and an incredibly confident jockey who knows it's there when he wants it mm. so I suppose all I can say at this stage is you know it's incredibly exciting and you know he, he's a brilliant horse going forward isn't he and the right horse in real world has finished second on the rating so yeah you know, has a decent to it uh, he's won it comfortably and now he's such a short price for for Ascot and on they go and you know we need these stars don't we so fingers crossed he can remain unbeaten and become a real champion like yeah. Frankel yeah I, I would certainly agree with that um, perhaps alcohol free needed the race as well by the way maybe she'll improve and, and step forward or maybe that's as good as alcohol free is uh, I say that because the Sussex stakes is going to be really interesting we don't know what Caribus is going to do, and we don't know how Native Trail gets on. I still have my suspicions about Native Trail. But however all of that pans out and plays out, um, 
a three-year-old is going to be taking him on. And it could be a superstar three-year-old. It could be the Caribus absolutely slays them at Royal Ascot. It could be the Native Trail does the same thing in the Irish 2000 Guineas. In which case, you're building up to this really exciting match between two exciting three-year-olds. There could be another one to emerge on the scene in the meantime as well. Uh, and so there could be like high-class milers from the three-year-old generation taking on Bayid and giving him something to think about. And he has to give them weight. And that will be intriguing to see. That'll be really, that'll be very exciting. Especially with the strength and depth of Charlie Appleby stable. You know, he's got so many aces, hasn't he, in the pack. And He's fallen Caribus over himself with them. He's got so Caribus is he's brilliant got, at Newmarket. Yeah, and modern, modern, <laughs> modern news yesterday was just ridiculous in the, in the French yeah. 2000 Guineas. Like that was, that was insanely good. And, and he, another, and, he, and another, and another. Yeah, and could easily win the the Irish two thousand guineas uh, at the weekend with Native Trail. Although, again, it's just there's something about Native Trail that I'm not entirely happy with. But it's just got a nagging doubt. I have a nagging doubt in the back of my mind. I don't know why he had to go for the trial. Krebus was going for that, and it was it on was. paper that Krebus was going for it, and then they swapped. And that's sending out a message that's just making my spider senses tingly. So I don't know. I'm a little bit, a little bit concerned about him. Um, cue him winning by 15 lengths of the Curra, and then all doubts are are quashed. But uh, there was a really good point by our good friend Declan Ricks made on Talksport Two on Friday when I was presenting coverage from York. And by the way, well done to York. What an incredible week they had. Feels like a month ago, but what an amazing week York had, and they've also produced the. Darby and Oaks favourites, who we're about to talk about. But Rixie likes a good old rant. <laughs> and this one was on point. Said, what the hell are Newbury, and for that matter, racing doing? Where is the promotion for the best horse in training? Yeah, you have a point there. Well, this is Rixie's point. I'm just relaying mm. it back. Like, Relaying. <laughs> it's and I could easily have stolen it, but that wouldn't be fair, Rixie. Um, but he, it was a, it was a terrific point that he made. That you know, we're we're talking about how do we get more fans into racing? How do we get more people interested in racing? And with the visual displays that you have now, like with video um, advertising pitches all over the UK and and now all over Ireland as well. You can do like a brief montage of him winning uh, and just blowing the opposition away in his two group ones last season and saying, see the unbeaten Baid at Newbury come racing or watch him on racing TV before it switches to Sky uh, and, uh, and ITV um, this Saturday. Where was the hype for it? Where was the, the building up of it? It was none of that. None of what you would expect. It was expect. a little soft, wasn't it? It was a little below par. The only hype you were getting was from a show like this and, to their credit, to Racing TV and, um, and ITV. And it's in their, it's in all of our interests to promote it, but it's definitely in their interests too because they want people watching. But I didn't, yeah, see a, I, think- I didn't see an enormous amount from the BHA going, this Saturday... The unbeaten Baid. 
puts his record on the line in the Group 1 lock-inch. See the best horse in Europe in training this week only at Newbury. None of that. None of it. I think we get stuck in our little bubble sometimes, though, don't we, in racing? And Oh, for sure um, we do. It's kind of like, yeah, see the bigger picture and think outside the box a little bit and try and, you know, engage the engage the masses and try and get them in and build up the the anticipation you know like like boxers for example isn't it you know like there's a big fight coming up there's so much sort of hubbub and you know excitement around the fights but but, you know similar in racing we've uh we've got the horses tell the stories don't they've got the we've got uh, you know a huge star of the sport going forward and he's should be selling the you know selling the sport isn't he because of his his potential, his greatness. And it's not like, it's not like the horse can talk. So it's not like I'm expecting a press conference where, you know, Baid <laughs> steps up to the stand and, and does a, <laughs> does a Conor McGregor on and says, I don't even know these chumps. Who are they? <laughs> they got no chance against me. <laughs> proper <Yeah>. 12. <laughs> it's going to be a proper race and a proper session as with proper 12. <laughs> I mean, they were Jesus. talking about weighing horses, so, you know, making it available. So we could have the weigh-in, couldn't they? Have yeah, Haggis can do the <laughs> can do the trash talking. Well, I'm Got new, just looking forward. Whole new aspect there. Whole I'm, just, new aspect. I'm just looking forward to, absolutely, um, <laughs> you know, uh, destroying Aidan O'Brien's horse. I mean, I can't wait to just rip them to shreds. It's going to be fantastic. Uh yeah, what you got, Saeed? Nothing, as usual. Ha 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 ha. It's terrible, Haggis, but it'll have to do. Yeah, just do better. I can tell you what the pitch meeting was, though. I can tell you exactly what the pitch meeting was. Mm. Right, we've got the we've got the ad campaigns for Baid. The what? The ad campaigns for Baid coming back in the luggage. Oh no, we we can't do that. What? Why not? Oh, we spent all our promo money on the racing league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Oh, the game changer. Yeah, the thing that's going to save racing. God almighty. <laughs> Emily <laughs> Upjohn. We just don't know how good he is, do we? You no, know, we don't. All... And that's what's really exciting. That's what's yeah, really exciting. Exactly. Is We genuinely have no clue how good he is. But I, I do remember talking to Jim Crowley last year and uh, and him saying that they were gutted to miss the St. James's Palace Stakes with him. Mm. This, was, this was just before he was running... At, was that for Goodwood or was that for... No, it was for the Champions meeting. Uh, so they thought he was that good back then. Uh, they've always yeah, known how good he is. Yeah, because he was off, wasn't he, between July and September. He, he came back, didn't he, at the yeah. back end. And, you know, you'd think for a horse that had risen through the ranks so quickly that perhaps maybe he'd... You know, it might be one race too many, but he just blew away the doubts, didn't he, and made a mockery of, of the opposition again at, a long jump, and then obviously at Ascot. But, I can't. Um, I can't. And and against Palace Pier, against Palace yeah, Pier, he does that. Solid as a rock, isn't he? And so I can't wait to see him in action at Royal Ascot. And I want the, like Royal Ascot's going to be blown up anyway. But I really want him to be blown up as well. I want all the hype in the world about him. And um, yeah, let's let's be excited about it. You know, promote racing for what racing is. Emily Upjohn is a horse who is highly regarded. Uh, by see the start out of a Barathea mare, and that high regard very much came through. Um, people were almost talking about, oh, well, we've got the Derby winner now in Stone Age, and we've got the Oaks winner in blah, blah, blah. 
Oh, wait, York is still to come. And now we have a new favourite for the Oaks and a new favourite for the Derby. Uh, how impressed were you with Emily Upjohn? I really like the performance. I mean, you've got to be impressed, haven't you, with the five and a half length score there at, at York uh, over the, the mile two. And of course, it's a, a decent trial, is it, isn't it, the, the Musadora for for the Oaks? I think uh, while I like the, the way she she travelled, she's very enthusiastic horse, isn't she? Um, and she, she quick and clear and was in full control from a fair way out. Um, I'm not sure really if the bookmakers have got it right I mean she's very short in, in the betting isn't she for Epsom obviously because she's been such a, a clear and resounding winner of this trial five to but, four um, with Kaluki by the way it's it's exceptionally tight isn't it I think for me I'm not convinced she'll I think she'll get a mile and a half but I'm not convinced she's going to be the Oaks winner to be honest mm. I think I think she's quite a, a big filly um and of course, she's got to navigate away around Epsom, and that that would perhaps be a a question mark for me. I mean, she's quite, as we say, she's enthusiastic. You know, she's a keen racer. Will she be lit up by going round that sort of test of a track? Uh, hopefully, they'll be able to take her to Epsom for that the the you know the special morning that they have in the build up, and perhaps like get her a little run round and see yeah, they're, how she they're going to do track. that. You, so if you're going, talk, if you're going to go, yeah, they're going to head to breakfast with the stars with her at, at Epsom. She, but she, like I said, she's sort of she's she takes a keen hold, um, and she just she impresses in the closing stages. But she's, I think she's going to be a good horse, but I'm not entirely convinced she's going to win the classic. You know, I think personally from a from my point of view, I I see Tuesday as the the most interesting anti post horse at the moment I mean she's four to one so you know for some some people they'll probably even leave it at that price but considering she's going to the Irish thousand guineas uh, she's a sort of late developing horse which a lot of them in the oaks in recent times that, that the winners have been that type of horse yeah. and she's only a, she's only a baby isn't she um she only she, she's only a, a, she she's not even actually a three-year-old yet she won't turn three until not. just before the oaks Exactly. Yeah, she's, she's a young. She's she's not. She's a young horse, isn't she? And like I say, she's very sort of unfurnished type. Um, but she's she's got that classic pedigree, being a full sister to Minding, who of course won the classic in twenty sixteen. So she's much like her, really. Um, and obviously, Cachet backed the form up from the Guineas in France. Yes. And Tuesday, I thought did little wrong, really, finishing, you know, finishing effort there at Newmarket. Mm. Um, so. Yeah, fingers crossed that she can step up. And of course, if she trials well and runs a big race in the Irish 1000 guineas, then she's going to be a, a huge player, I think. And she's still gaining that experience. Of course, she only sort of came into the Oaks, uh, came into the fray for the Oaks, uh, for the Oaks, sorry, for the guineas at a late stage, didn't she? Uh, Aidan was really impressed with how she sort of blossomed. But like I said, she's still a work in progress. And I think there's plenty more left under the bonnet with her to, to go forward with. And of course, Aidan's trained six of the last 10 Oaks winners. So, you know, that's a stat you need up your sleeve. And um, at the anti-post anti prices, I'd, I'd be much more taken with her for all that Emily Upjohn was, was impressive. But she's got a few little doubts, I think, especially at the price. I agree. I agree. I'm delighted for York that they have produced the Oaks favourite because York 
missed out on having a crowd by a week, and it wasn't even a week really, because York is Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and on the Monday the UK reopened. So that was a real, that was a real knee to the nether regions, uh, and of course we're closed the year before. Now everybody was affected and was hit by COVID, but there are good people uh, who who run York, particularly William Darby who's currently mowing his lawn listening to this show right now as Melissa and I talk. Hello, William. Um, and uh, it was just, you know, for such a great track like that to be to be affected as it was, same for Chester, same for all of the UK and Irish tracks for that matter. Ireland has to go an awful lot longer without crowds, a lot longer. But those meetings are, are key. They're prime. And, and you build to them and you do so much promotion like the promotional work basically starts now for next year for next year's Dante meeting the promotional work is already underway for the Ebor festival um so it's great for them that they did that but Nashua won at the weekend and she's a Frankel filly would be Holly Doyle's mount by the way that'd be a great story and Kaluki have made her third favorite for the Oaks now on the back of her one and three length victory over stay alert she was the only horse in the race with an Oaks entry, admittedly, but you know, she did it well enough. She might be more of a 10 furlong type, and it might be that John and Thady want to keep her apart from Emily Upjohn, so she might go for the Prix de Diane instead. But she would be a player. Uh, Godolphin have got with the Moonlight. Aiden's got Concert Hall. And you then got above the curve for... Joseph, uh, and the horse who beat her at Chester, Thoughts of June, I think both come into it, but the horse that I'm really intrigued by is History. History mm. was second in her first two starts, then one at my native Gorn, and I thought was really impressive at Leopardstown. You know, first time out this season, O'Brien horses sometimes need the run, and she comes out and wins. And they're going to go the same route with her, that they're going to go with Tuesday. She runs in the Irish 1000 guineas. And then Aiden was telling me on TalkSport 2 at the weekend. We'll put that podcast up actually. It will add. Okay, so we've got we've got two for you. We've got uh, an interview with Robbie Power. Reflecting on his career. And his retirement. And his decision to retire. His first answer is very, very intriguing by the way when I ask. So what was the... What was the thought process in retiring? We'll let you listen to the show for the answer, but it's a it's it's a good one, uh, and it's a very honest one as well. Um, he's in flying form, and it was a lot of a lot of fun to talk to him. So that was an interview for Talksport too. But we'll put that up on the Final Front podcast, and we'll put up the Aiden O'Brien interview as well. So a, a stable tour with Aiden O'Brien, looking back on all of his classic trial winners for Epsom. And um, he talks about history in a very, very positive light. Um, I mean, on the bear, Paul, on the rating, she's got a bit to find, but you wouldn't put it past she, her to, she to come does. on a lot. You know? Yeah, she does. And she might find it a little bit too difficult to beat Tuesday. It, it might be the case that, you know, she bumps into one on Tuesday. It might be the case that Concert Hall is the one that everyone's forgetting about. And the Concert Hall comes out and has too much for for the rest of them. 
Um, I think the Irish 1000 Guineas, Kaluki are going 5 to 2, joint favourites, Home the Songs and Tuesday. History is 11 to 2, Discoveries 9 to 1. Um, what is this concert all? 14s! Lads. Dropping back from 10 furlongs. Yeah, she does shape like a horse. She's a Dubawi out of Waz and Oaks winner. I'm really intrigued by concert, concert hall, but I think she might take in the 1,000 guineas as well and then head on to the to the Oaks. Um, the point we're making here is that Aiden O'Brien's got a bloody strong team, and that's just Aiden. Never mind the fact that if her stable companion rocks up, there's another player. Godolphin are dangerous. Joseph O'Brien's got at least two. One of them is going to run. Um, John and Thady Gosden have emotion as well. Yeah, I, I would be with you. I would be with you. I'm, I I wouldn't be rushing to take five to four. Um, it's very skinny at this this stage, isn't it? A couple of weeks to go. I mean, how price is she going to be on the day? If you fancy it, it's best to to sit and wait, isn't it? And and see what happens. Um, I, and then I think you're right. You know, with all these, the rest of the sort of trial races still to to come. Uh, you know, like you said, that Irish one thousand guineas is going to be very informative. And you know, who's to say that? You know that even whoever wins it, but even one of the place horses can come out and run an extremely good race at Epsom, can't they? There's a couple of weeks between the the races. It just depends on how the horses come out of it and who finds the greatest step forward at Epsom. Yeah, it could be a, a peeping fawn style job, uh, place in the race and then come out and run a massive race in in the Oaks itself. Uh, that's going to be hugely informative. It's on this weekend. We'll preview it for you. On Thursdays, it's the Irish 1000 guineas. But yeah, that that betting market is not done just yet. And um, I wouldn't be rushing to take 5 to 4. I wouldn't put you off. If you're if you're on at a decent price already, fair enough. But 5 to 4 right now? Is she going to go off that price in the day? I don't think so. Um, and then we get a new Derby favourite. Move over, Stone Age. There's a new kid in town. Desert Crown. Uh, to be fair, the stout team... They weren't shy about how high they regard this horse. Um, so he'd won a, a Nottingham Maiden by five and a half lengths and then comes out and beats Royal Patronage. So he's beating the right form horse in Royal Patronage, who there was a massive gamble on, by the way. He was at least nine to one morning of, and he was a bigger price the be- night before. Um, Bluegrass seemed to go into the reverse gear as they were entering the, the final four furlongs and then found sport mode again and stayed on or traction mode maybe um so he looks like a ledger type uh, a couple of big bubbles were burst though magisterial was a drifter and ran like it uh fell at the back of the telly and el bogdan uh was fairly heftily gambled on and then just again fell at the back of the telly so this was all about desert crown and he is now your standout favorite for the derby uh, just how impressed were you with him, Melissa? Very. I was really taken with the Desert Crown. Um, I, point of caution, I'd say perhaps it wasn't the, the strongest renewal, but he couldn't do any more than he did. He travelled smoothly throughout. And what I particularly liked was the way, you know, there was talk beforehand about him needing the run, but he stylishly moved into contention, didn't he? He was on the last off the bridle. Um, and it, it was really an eye-catching display, the way he powered down the sort of centre of the track. Uh, it was, I thought it was an excellent performance for with the Derby in mind. I mean, a lot of people have... He's a big talking horse on social media, isn't he? A lot of people have had the, the fancy prices about him, so well done to them. And 
you know, I think they've got a real live one here. He's he's a worthy favourite for the Derby in my book. He's by Nathaniel, so of course he 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 could be expected to take a little bit of time to to fully get going. But the fact that he did need the run and after that little setback, apparently, it bodes really well for for Epsom, doesn't it? He's he seems a well balanced individual and he's got a tidy turn of foot. Sir Michael Stout has trialed many a good horse in this race before. Um, he's chasing his sixth victory in, in the Epsom Classic. His last Dante winner actually came in 2011, didn't it? It's Carlton House. Yes, that's right, for the Queen. The Queen's colours, yeah. Yeah, poor moi, won the derby. Sad that uh, she's not having a runner this Yeah, Obviously, a principal runner may have a, a longer price one, of course, with a couple of entries. But, um, yeah, as so, I like say, it's a bit of a shame that Reach for the Moon isn't going to be in contention this year because looking back at that Carlton House, obviously he was lucky, unlucky not to be a bit closer there, wasn't he, in, in that particular derby. Uh, but that was 2011, Sir Michael Stout's last last Dante winner. So obviously a long time between Pridune drinks and obviously Sir Michael's coming back here. It's been a while since he's had a real top-notcher in the classic, you know, in the classic fray. And Desert Crown... He's a lovely horse and he he's doing everything right at this stage. And you, I, I think it's particularly pertinent to to really engage and listen in with the trainers after the race. And you could see a little glint in his eye, couldn't you, about this horse? Yeah, he, yeah. He, he knew that, that you know, he wasn't fully tuned up for this, but the quality he showed to come past this field and, like you say, raw patronage, he's no slouch. Some of the other horses perhaps, you know, not... Um, you know, top class themselves. You know, like I said, it wasn't the strongest renewal, but he could have done no, no better than do that on his second start. Of course, you know, like I said, he hasn't had much experience, and yeah, there's there's lots to like about his his Derby chances, and I think he'll handle the track on on the evidence we've seen so far. And yeah, he's 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 a very solid market leader. I think I agree. I very much agree. Uh, great for Richard Kingscott as well. Um, and there was that glint in Sir Michael Stout's eye. They clearly think the world of him. And that point you made about him having a setback beforehand is an important one to emphasize because if he can do that after a setback, well, that's pretty bloody impressive. Uh, and no better man than Sir Michael Stout to ready one for the Derby. Um, the, the market is now changed. So Stone Age is no longer heading the betting. Desert Crown is now 7-4 to four with Kaluki. Uh, Stone Age three to one. I've heard the Queen has had a fairly hefty bet on changing of the guard. Right. <laughs> Eights uh, and Pisbedil Kaluki Sportsbook go eights about, which brings me to a topic. English King Tom Marquand set to ride. No son, no no no, you're off. The Tory's going to ride that horse. <laughs> John Leeper. Adam Kirby going to ride. No, 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 son. No, 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 no. You're off. Screw you. I'll go into the derby on the Godolphin fifth string. Um, Pisbedil, Gavin Ryan. Stable jockey. Going to ride for Dunnick O'Brien. No, 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 son. No, 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 no. You're off. Frankie Dettori is going to ride. What do you make of this news? Well, it's it's a bit of a 
shame, isn't it, for, for Gavin Ryan? Obviously, he's an excellent jockey himself. Um, but, you know, Frankie's Frankie and, and owners, they pay the bills and they've that's who they want to ride. So, you know, I suppose you have to respect that really. But like I say, Gavin's an excellent pilot and hopefully we'll get more opportunities going forward. It's, it's just a, a shame really that obviously he doesn't get his chance in a couple of weeks' time. Um, yeah, what's your take on it? What do you think? Uh, my take is a fairly simplistic one. He could have ridden the second string for Aiden. He's had a lot of rides for Aiden, hasn't he, of late? He's had an awful lot of rides for him. And with the greatest of respect to Shami Heffernan, who is a top-class jockey, um, Emmett, who's a cl- who's won the derby, uh, and everybody else there, you know, Wayne Lorden, classic winning jockey, multiple classic winning jockey for Aiden O'Brien. Shami, multiple classic winning jockey. Frankie is Frankie, as you say. So, presumably, Ryan rates Ryan is going to be on board Stone Age if they all stay fit. So that means he's on Changing of the Guard, United Nations, Star of India, um, Point Lonsdale. Still don't think that was his true running in the 2000 guineas. So you got... You know that you're going to be on a strong horse. You know that you're going to get the ride on on an interesting horse. One of these is probably going to go to France. And if I had to guess, I'd say Star of India. I'd say Star of India will be diverted to France. Or maybe they all rock up, because the derby means an awful lot to Coolmore. And the thing I keep replaying in my head is the interview that Gavin Ryan did after winning on, on Pisbadil, beating Buckaroo, who's Frank the Form, obviously, is his enthusiasm. And he was talking about like how he's always rated the horse and how he thinks he's... He's definitely a group one player and he just hopes he stays fit that he can show it. And he's not going to be on board. And that's that's a bit sickening uh, for him. And it's a bit sickening as you talk about loyalty uh, on the outside as well, that wouldn't you stay loyal to to the person involved? I, I think that I look at the trainer, um, but if your phone blows up if you and I want to own a horse together, and I, and I, you tell me, hey, I just got a phone call from Frankie Tutori. I'm like, yeah, right, Melissa. No, 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 no. Frankie wants to ride our horse in the Oaks. Frankie wants to ride our horse in the Derby. What? Yeah, he thinks we've got a huge chance. Both of us have to make the decision about dropping our jockey. Hmm. Who's ridden, who's the stable jockey and has ridden the horse three times. Ryan Moore taking over on Fancy Blue. You decided to ride her in, in the French Oaks when Aiden had Peaceful running in the race. But going, now nah, I want to ride Fancy Blue. That's fine, because he's technically speaking, he's contracted to Coolmore. Yes, he's Aiden's first jockey, but really he's Coolmore's first jockey. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a bit galling to see. If you're a Pisbadil fan, and I've talked to him up quite a lot in this show, you're probably punching the air with delight. You've got Frankie on board now. But I, I feel a little bit... I feel very mixed on this. I feel very, very mixed on it. I guess it's just the way racing is now. Um, and if Pisbadil gets beaten, you know, Frankie goes on with his life and Gavin's back on him for the Irish Derby. 
if he wins, yeah. does Frankie keep the ride? Probably. But I'm pretty certain Frankie would have been on board, could easily have been on board changing of the card. I'm pretty confident of that. I think he's got a big chance. Although, out of all of the Aidan O'Brien trained runners to run in the Derby, only two of them are entered in the arc. Point Lonsdale and Stone Age. Dun dun dun. Anyway, uh, I feel sorry. I think so. So little between the top jockeys, isn't there? So the standard of riding now is so high on the level and over jumps. And mm. this, this being the, you know, the top jockeys, you know, whether you have Frankie on board or Gavin Ryan on board, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter from a, from a horse point of view. You know, they're, they're both fully capable. See, Frankie's the star name, but they're both excellent riders. And, you know, it's just the, the, the star aspect, isn't it? Having, Frankie on board he's obviously a household name brilliant sportsman but whether you know either of them on board would would suffice wouldn't they if you you're a punter you're happy you're happy with either I I would say I think there's something about Frankie in a big race like if it's a class 5 handicap at Lingfield or you know moderate enough with respect race at Dundalk and it's Gavin Ryan or Frankie Dettori, I'm choosing Gavin Ryan. Because Frankie doesn't care about those races. He just doesn't. I mean, that's just the way it is. Uh, but the big occasion? Frankie. There is something about Frankie. But I think that there's, that's there's a really... A of it, definitely, but... I think that um, it's a really good point that you're making, though, that if you were to go back 10 years, 15 years, when we were getting into racing there was a gap at the top, or at least there was the perception of a gap at the top between who's the elite and, and who isn't. And the fact that you're putting Gavin in the elite category and that I didn't go question you on that, I, I think you're right. I think he is. I think Gavin Ryan is a fantastic jockey. Um, and I think you're right to say that. There's just got so much style and a tidy and, you know, race riding's improved so much, hasn't it? And exactly. And that's such, all down to, to diet and the training and the coaching. And part of it is down to Frankie because these guys and women have grown up watching him and, and his style and have gone, oh, I, you know, I can never be Frankie, but I can try to emulate that. I mean, you look at how Miguel Barcelona rides races. Don't tell me he didn't try to emulate Frankie de Tori, uh, particularly with that celebration in Carlton House's derby uh, that you mentioned earlier on. But um, I, yeah, the, the, I, I would agree with you. I don't think there is as much of a, of, of a gap. And I, I'm guessing Christophe Sumion is going to come in for the call now uh, for, for Aidan O'Brien because, yes, Jamie, Wayne, uh, Emmett and the team will be on board, but there will be another big-name jockey too. Maybe it's going to be Tom Marquand. Tom Marquand was on board a, a Coolmore horse at the weekend for Andre Fab. Maybe he's going to ride in the Derby for them. And and gave that was Ancient Rome in the French in the French two thousand guineas and gave the horse an absolute cracker jack of a ride. I think Ancient Rome could be a a big player in the French Derby. Wouldn't be surprised if he turned the form around with the winner. Yeah, because he looks like a horse is going to be Quite more possibly. suited. But um, I mean the fact that Tom Marquand, you know, obviously had to he made way, didn't he, for 
on English King in the same sort of situation. But you know, that was a couple of years ago, wasn't it? But even back then, he was a he was a very good jockey, and obviously he still is. He's you know one of the best. And like we say, it's fine margins, isn't it? But what did he do, Melissa? Well, him and him and Frankie are obviously you know top notchers, but no, 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 no. Frankie no. gets the ride. No. What he did was go, okay, it's grand. I'm sh- going. I'm going to shut my mouth. I'm not going to say a word about it. I'm not going to. I'm not going to bitch and moan. I'm just going to get on with it, and that's it. Get on with it. And then he exactly. places in the derby, and Frankie's out the back of the telly. That is true. Boom! Yeah, well, that's how you do it. it. Yeah. Swept sh- on by. I'll show you, Frankie. <laughs> Have a bit of this. Yeah, that did raise a few eyebrows, didn't it, on Twitter and. Oh yeah, I know. Racing fraternity. Yeah, and, and then there were people like sticking up and going, "Hey, he's only ridden him like you know, twice or three times. What's your what's your big deal?" It's like big what? Uh, <laughs> no, loyalty is dead. Loyalty is dead. I'm afraid. I think that uh, that's just the way the the world has gone now. Uh, loyalty no longer exists. So, so Frankie's gonna ride uh, for Le- Electra Niarchos and the Arcos family uh, on Pisbadil. Um, how Donica feels about that, I don't know, but Gavin's going to feel like a ah. Gavin's a, a good guy. He'll he'll um he'll handle it. Uh, speaking of Frankie Dittori, um, in the winners' enclosure in the Yorkshire Cup on Stradivarius, uh, he drifted out quite considerably, but ends up winning easily. Overall, I was covering this race on Racing Live on Talksport Two. I got the sense that. There was a bit of nervousness in the camp beforehand. Um, like John Galston kept on saying, oh, he might need the race, he might need the race. But in the end, he's done it incredibly easily. Uh, there was a huge market move for Search for a Song. That did not work out. Um, she probably hasn't run her race, to be fair, and that's kind of her thing. Um, not running her races is a big thing for her. Uh, but just to put the Gold Cup in perspective, he's not favoured for the race. And he's also not the horse who who ran that day who people were most impressed with. Certainly not the Kaluki traders. Like, it was no more than a schooling gallop for Kiprios. He wins a 10-to-1 on, but he's the one that everybody wants to be with. He's been cut to 3-to-1. Uh, Stradivarius fives from eight to one with Kaluki. Trushan is eleven to four, but if the ground is like it was at the weekend, there will be no Trushan in the race. It's as simple as that. It, it would need to be soft ground. The rain has to fall for Trushan to run. It kind of did last year, um, and yet Alan King elected not to run him. Um, or was that the previous year? It might have been the previous year. Uh, it was good to firm last year. And Subjectivist obviously ran out a, a very impressive winner with Princess Zoe, who has won her trial. Um, came out and ran a mighty race to finish second for uh, for Tony Mullins. Well done, Tony. And they're coming back again. But in terms of of Trushan was the year before, yeah, when it ended up being soft, I think it was the year before. Um, in terms of Trushan, I certainly wouldn't be taking eleven to four, given the fact that the ground concerns are there, and I wouldn't be rushing to back Stradivarius either. 
he's eight. He's sweated up uh, an awful lot. And I just wonder if they felt that he needed the run and yet he was able to go and win. Does that mean that they now back off him? Like, John Gosling's a genius and so they'll have him spot on. But even with him being spot on, you still get... The, I, I get the sense that something younger can come through like Kiprios. Um, so, look, is, is he a horse that you would be with or against? I'm in your camp. I think Kiprios is the, the improver, isn't he? He's made giant strides this season already. Obviously, justifying his short price, extremely short price, 1 to 10 at, at Leopardstown. But he's that relentless type of horse that keeps on galloping. And Stradivarius... He's been a brilliant horse and, you know, look at his record, 33 races, 20 wins. He's been there. He's He's got the T-shirt and he's gone from race to race at, at the highest level. And uh, I've seen group two level as well, but gets on exceptionally well with Frankie and uh, sight to behold for, for race goers there at, at York. They really did enjoy the performance, didn't they? And seeing him there back to uh, winning ways uh, on the Knavesmire. And, you know, it, it was lovely to see him you know, have that uh, record third success in, in the cup race. And I, I think though, sort of going forward to the Gold Cup, like I said, he's he's been there, he's won it before on several occasions, but this year it does look a bit more open, doesn't it? And uh, Kiprios has got the upwardly mobile profile and there's plenty of good vibes around him. I think he's... he's he's a talking horse and he's he's obviously got to prove that he can keep on that upward trajectory mm. but Aiden's you know, there's a lot of positivity about his chances and you know they've always sort of been talking about the Gold Cup being one of his aims and you know it's a big aim at that isn't it it's a, it's a showpiece at events at Ascot so fingers crossed he can keep improving and really you know put on a show at Ascot against sort of the established horse in Stradivarius and like you said should it be a rainy a rainy summer then see True Channel come into the equation and see Princess Zoe what a credit to connection she's been over the years and she could be there again couldn't she but um yeah it's definitely got a forward look to it this market and um yeah the bookmakers have seemed to have been in the right direction with with Kit Prios at this stage yeah, I, I'd agree with you. Um, I, I don't see how the market... I, I, don't, I, I don't see how a younger gun doesn't come through, whether it's going to be Mojo Star. I don't know what the plan with him is. Do they give him a run? Is he having a prep run? Do they go straight there? Uh, whether it's him or Scope um, or Kiprios, I, I just think that he's vulnerable. It was shown last year. Um, he's a year older now, and I think that I think it's fantastic that he's back in training. I think it's amazing for racing, and that beautiful side of Frankie giving him a hug, you know, directly after the race. And this is Frankie Dettori hugging a horse on racing TV. It was just beautiful to see as I'm presenting the show and just relaying that as well on on Talksport Two. Um, back in the presenter's chair on Thursday, by the way. Uh, he's also the first horse to win this race for a third time. And, like, he does still have his enthusiasm. He does still have his ability, or at least the majority of it. He's now six from six at York. 
Who's to say later on in the season he doesn't become a 7 from 7 uh, in races that he's succeeded in before. But the whole point of him coming back is to equal Yates' record of four gold yeah. cups. That's the whole reason. And I think that's incredibly sporting of Bjorn Nielsen to say, yeah, I'll give up a season of, of stud fees to, to achieve yeah, that dream. That. It's very, very sporting it to do that. It's great to see him back, but like we say, he's sort of he's a he's a brilliant performer. But we all know that he's not quite the force of old. You know, he's performing at a level around sort of seven pounds below his peak rating. So we all know that it's not the Stradivarius of old. But he's fully capable on his day of putting on a show and defeating very good opposition, if not the absolute best, which. As we say, he's going to meet some interesting prospects in the Gold Cup. You know, yeah. often the Gold Cup can be a very sort of, you know, a race dominated by the short price favourite anti-post, can't it? But it's got an open look to it this year with, you know, the, look at the prices they're going for, for the market leaders. Um, it's not your typical Ascot Gold Cup of old, you know, like you said, the, the years of Yates, etc. And and so forth. But um, but no, great to see Stradivarius back in good terms with himself and sort of saying farewell to the, to the York crowd. If, if that's going to be his final start there, we shall see. Yeah, it'd uh, be interesting. Like say, well, great, it is going to be interesting to see, like, does he run at Ascot and, and, and then retire? Like, if he wins the fourth World Cup, do, he, do, they, do they do a merchant navy on it and just go, thanks very much, we're out, bye-bye. We, did, we, we came here for one objective... I'd expect they would. Yeah, I think they would. Because you look at last season and obviously went to, to Longchamp and, you know, they've always seemed to have been keen to to head down that route, haven't they, in recent seasons. But with, you know, the future career coming up, I think perhaps they would choose to bow out there if, if all goes well. And, you know, because what else is he going to achieve? You know, he, he's been a fabulous horse and you can't really top that, can you? No, and he's already got four Al Shakab Goodwood cups to his name. Uh, so as much as it would be nice to see him turn up there, you know, do you do you need to really? Unless he absolutely bolts up. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe maybe you just go insert him into the breeding season now. Uh, we'll see. the The sad thing about it is that he's going to be a national hunt stallion. You know, it would be nice that if he was given like a year or two as an actual flat stallion. They tried that with Yates at Coolmore, um, and they promoted him heavily. Breeders just weren't having it. If you're a stare, that's it. Forget about it. Um, right, to something completely different, Persian Force, two-year-old speed. Uh, this was intriguing because... Um, so the market rival was uh, from Andrew Bowling's yard, Holgan, Havana uh, Gray, but then you had a no-name ever from Aidan O'Brien. That makes sense. Aidan O'Brien won this race only a couple of years ago, with a known and never, the Irish Rover. However, known and never out of Alexandrova. Triple Oaks winner, Irish. Epsom, obviously. And uh, you know, the Oaks and Yorkshire Oaks. So a mile four classic winning, winning filly, three times, producing a six furlong horse. It was an intriguing, 
it's an intriguing effort. Uh, the horse ends right. up being beaten nine lengths, uh, and Persian Force now heads to Royal Ascot. Um, what do you make of his chances there? And there's talk that he could re- he could drop back and trip, but I don't see why that talk is going around on social media because Richard Hannon has confirmed him for the Coventry, and he's going to be a big player. He is, yeah. He's a very good horse. He's precocious sort, isn't he? He's come to hand very early on. And the the thinking from the Hannon team, they they sort of set the stall out early, didn't they? And and said he was a, a good horse sort of straight up, you know, one of their best two-year-olds for, for quite some time. Um, then the runner-up at Newbury's well-regarded, isn't he? And uh, obviously from the Andrew Balding camp. Persian force he's just had to be shaken up and and he's led it over a furlong from the finish there at, at Newbury and settled it nicely he didn't have to do too much did he and with just sort of two two horses in opposition there uh, the one thing you have to think about really is is there going to be something that sort of improves past him in the Coventry the last couple of winners Berkshire Shadow Nando Parado and going a few years back from those Calix and Raja Singh in recent years they've all sort of had the one start and he's had two and like you said he's 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 started his campaign earlier than most uh, obviously he's very sharp uh, but from a punting point of view I think you know if, uh, on the day I'd be looking for something to take him on I would have thought um, I'm more of a I'd be more intrigued by the horses that have had the one start or so forth. There's plenty of time to see different horses coming into the fray for this target, isn't there? And and while, you know, it's nice to see the, the Hannon team have a have a good horse and you know, they're clearly really excited about him and comparing him obviously to talking about him in the same breath as uh, sort of Camford Cliffs type for I, I, for the I noticed that. <laughs> I was like what? Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, you know, they they really rate him. And, you know, going forward, it's just got to be seen whether he can do the talking on the track. I just think at this stage, and that type of race, the, his current odds, there's not much value in them, is there? In the Coventry is an interest, as we just said, it's an interesting type of race that produces that, that type of winner that's mm. always sort of the once raced, unexposed, prone to a shock result. So, yeah, sitting on the fence on that on that point of view and um just observing for now or a beautiful blue bread or very expensive horse from coolmore um exactly. how much they value royal ascot cannot be understated and all of the juveniles that aiden has been running in and around you know since the start of the season basically is with the intention of getting them ready for for royal ascot whether they're good enough or not some of them are not some of them clearly are like little big bear Blackbeard. Um, so we have to wait and see what happens with them. Uh, one horse who is definitely going to be heading for the Norfolk is the Antarctic, from the aforementioned Coolmore. Uh, so he gets the better of Michael O'Callaghan, who we'll be talking about in a second. Uh, the Michael O'Callaghan trained Mimar, who was a 200,000 guineas breeze-up purchase. And um, obviously by Maymas with that name. Uh, he ran a, a mighty race, but I thought the Antarctic who we should say is a brother to Brilliant Batash. And what did Batash <laughs> do at Royal Ascot as a juvenile? Disgraced himself! 
disgraced himself and the entire team at his training stable. He disgraced himself and everybody connected to him because he just fell out of the stalls and threw his jockey to one side and that was it. They gelded him uh, straight away. It was like, good night and good luck. Um, I don't know if, I don't know what to make of him. He, he's won by half a length on debut. He's won by three quarters of a length here uh, at Nace. Uh, at Sunday, but this is Royal Ascot Trials Day, and there's some very, very beautifully bred horses in behind. Uh, Mimar was making his debut, so he's fully entitled to to come forward from this. But we've seen that um, the O'Brien horses have been taking a step forward from their first start as well, and this will this horse will be being prepared for Royal Ascot. And he talked about kind of spoiling the interview with Aiden now to a certain extent, but he mentions. In the in the stable tour that I did with him for Talks War Two, the Derby program. He's on the Derby program now. Well, they also have the Royal Ascot program, so they're slowly but surely building their horses for the Calix race, um, as this is the Coolmore Stud Calix race. So, I'm not entirely certain that I want to take. Uh, take this fella on when he comes to Alaska. I think he'll be very, very hard to beat in the Norfolk. Um, he's a high cruiser. He's got lots of natural speed, and I think we'll see a, a different horse in the day. He also fights. There's a good bit of battle in him as well. So, what do you make of him? I'm just agreeing with you this time, Emma. <laughs> 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 There's a rare moment, isn't there? Well, on different pages this time. They're just he's a, he's a he's a nice horse, but I think he's still very green and. He, on his debut, we did see that those signs of inexperience, didn't we? When he posted a, a good performance, but you know he was only half a length clear at the finish. He got upset in the stalls, uh, and again he ducked left at the start. He did plenty wrong, didn't he? Um, had to be pushed along in the closing stages, and again ran ran green a furlong out, and did a bit more drifting and, and dancing around uh, before before coming across the line at less than a length ahead. So there's that to go on. And then obviously at Nace, which we're talking about now, he showed plenty of pace. Um, again, as soon as he's come under pressure, Jamie Heffernan's given him a tap and he, he's immediately sort of dipped to his, his left, hasn't he? So he's just a very inexperienced, he's got plenty of talent, but he's, He's still a very unfurnished, inexperienced type of horse to me. And of course, he can take a, a great step forward on his next start, can't he? And probably blitz the opposition at, at Ascot. But I don't know. In a, in a in small run of fields like that, I think, you know, he's learned a bit, but I think he's still got to to learn plenty more as his career progresses. And I think the fact that bookmakers are, more or less sort of unchanged you know they're around the five to one mark aren't they for the for the north but that does tell the story um he's a he's pure speed this horse and like i said he's a, a leading fancy for the norfolk but i just there's just some doubts there for me i just think he's very very young and inexperienced and he'll have to step up i think he's a speed machine also, he cost 750,000 guineas as a yearling. Of Incredible. Course, if he cost that much, he must be good. He 
He has to win everything, <laughs> Melissa. Oh, that ain't <laughs> He has to be a superstar if he costs that yes, money. <laughs> what are you talking about? Coming on the final furlong, asking questions about whether or not this horse has the mental capacity. By the way, um, Batash didn't actually throw off uh, Paul Hannigan, although I do believe he did throw him off either on the way to the start or after the race. But he was unruly in the stalls. He was unruly in the stalls. I recall, stalls. yeah, rearing in the stalls. Yeah, that was it. And yeah. Disgraced himself. And they, they really fancied him. They, the Hills team were all over him. And he midfields everybody. Right, Meditate. She's booked her ticket for Royal Ascot. Uh, she's a daughter of, of No Name Never. Obviously a former Norfolk winner as well. The Albany Stakes is going to be her target, according to the master of Billy Doyle, Aidan O'Brien. Uh, what did you make of her? Decent performance, I think. Um, she's she was foaled start of January, so you know that tells the story, doesn't so it? She really With is. Her. She really is a two year old. Then she she's a, a proper juvenile. So she yes, her her absolutely. birthday counts. It does indeed. It does indeed. Um, yeah, it was a good. It was a good solid display. Um, Aidan was saying afterwards he was delighted with what she showed there, and the fact that she's a a laid back filly in her work suggests that she could take a, a decent step forward um hard to get a handle on i suppose on the gallop she'd say so it's all about the track for her isn't it and all about learning on the job and going to the races and seeing it out and putting the finishing touches on her with regards to ascot she picked up well i thought she it was tar- it was a tidy display i mean she's a half sister to a mile and a half winner mythological so the stamina there isn't there i mean she's a no name never filly but you know like i said a, mi- a mixed a mixed bag um i think yeah it was a good performance again plenty to go on for ascot uh she's she sort of a gangly sort and one with her ears pricked so there's a like, as aiden said after the race she she's a bit hard to get a handle on and that's the way she finished you know she's she looks like she's got a bit bit left there in the tank she costs a lot of money of course as a yearling and they'll be hoping that she will step forward um what i would say as well she she took a bit of time to wind up although you'd say she had a bit of a bit left at the finish she's that type isn't she 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 had her first reminder it was sort of around a furlong and a half from home so takes a bit of cajoling a bit of winding up but likable signs at the finish with her her ears pricked so yeah, I'd rate her performance slightly above of the the Antarctic if we were comparing like for like at this stage. Yeah, that's fair. I think um, I, I kind of want to see a bit more. Uh, I like her. I like her a lot. But um, when I say I want to see a bit more, what I mean is I want to see who who she's going to be facing on the day. I was very impressed with her debut. I thought you know, for a trial, this was a, a really smart performance. Wayne Lorden was delighted with her afterwards. I think she goes there as a big player, but I want to see who the who the market is going to be and, and who she's actually going to be against. Um, there's something about the Antarctic that I, I really like. Um, and speaking of really like, I'm a big New York City fan. Yes, the city. I've built it in Lego. But for real, I was meant to go in 2020. And then when I couldn't, I just bought the Empire State Building, which is huge, uh, and all of the other Lego architecture buildings and built them to stay sane, and I still am. Um, 
Saying? No. But building? Yes. But New York City was a horse that I thought was going to take an awful lot of beating. Along comes Twilight Jet and answers the question, I think he'll take an awful lot of beating. Oh, who the hell is that? Uh, this was brilliant for Michael Callahan. I made a joke on Twitter that he looks like, he looked more like the uh, fighter jet from Top Gun Maverick with his speed than, than a, a racehorse. So I guess that makes Lee Roach Maverick and Michael Callahan retweeted it. Shout out to Michael Callahan. Uh, he is some trainer. And you know, the, picking up the, the big prize at Newmarket, big sales prize with him. I mean, group three, um, which was what 34,000 in prize money after you know, a pretty long season. I mean, he's had, he had 11 runs as a juvenile um, and he mixed it with some really high-class racehorses. He's, he did, didn't he? He's very, the fact that he was able to come out and, and win like that on his, on his debut just makes me think this is a horse that they, they fully understand exactly what he is now and he's going to take an awful lot of beating when it comes to to Royal Ascot. I know the market is currently headed by Perfect Power. Tenebrisium is in there. I mean, Tenebrisium needs to prove a lot after the 1,000 guineas. Maybe it is a case of that she just didn't stay and this distance will suit her better. We haven't seen Castle Star yet. Uh, go Bears Go, maybe. I would be more inclined to look at, at Twilight Jet. I thought that was a stunning performance. Um, partly because I, I've i done quite a deep dive in New York City's form and I genuinely was expecting that horse to go and win. Uh, and so when, when Twilight Jet blitzed him by three, I think the 12 to one with Kaluki Sportsbook about Twilight Jet for the Commonwealth is more than fair, Melissa. Yeah, make a good case there, I think. Um, New York City did look to, you know, have 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 the key form line in ahead of the race, didn't he? Uh, beating straight answer, of course, at, at Navin. Uh, from personal point of view, I did think that the runner-up straight answer might do even better for that opening. Of course, he was stepping back to to sprinting trips, but very disappointing. You know, wasn't wasn't that horse is running at all, you know, obviously well backed as well. So that's, I think that's just time to put a line through, through that effort. It was just a, a, a big flop from that horse, unfortunately. And of course, New York city ran to, to what looked to be form to finish second. But as you say, twilight jet swept on by, well, didn't sweep on by cause he made all the running, but <laughs> put them, put them to the sword later on. <laughs> Nothing could get by him. Um, yeah, and no blitz the field, shall we say? And it was a a taking display, wasn't it? On the horse's twelfth start, of course, very highly tried as a juvenile, and like Cachet, the thousand guineas winner took a trip to to Delmar in the November. So at the end of a long season, where he'd won at Newmarket in the October, hadn't he? At Group Three, he's had so much racing. But he was able to come out and, and do that first time up, which was a surprise to, to you. It was a surprise to me and to many. And if you look back at his pedigree, his dad, Twilight Sun, improved quite a lot from two to three. So that was actually a good sign, um, which some of us missed. But Michael O'Callaghan doing extremely well with his horses. He's in the right hands. And 
they just couldn't live with him, could they, in the closing stages? And yeah, it's a good, solid display with with Ascot in mind. And for the rest of the season, you you couldn't fault it. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I, I think you look at that market and there are horses there that, you know, perfect power, I guess, you can make a, a, a reasonably strong case for. But six and I mean, New York lengths. City. Go on. Yeah, I've seen Young Debbie this season came out and won by seven lengths, didn't he? And then... Mm. Obviously, the next time up, you know, he he led at Navan in the list in the listed race, but Twilight Jets come along and and said, "No, thank you, I'm leading. This is my race, and I'm taking you all on." And he's just travelled travelled exceptionally well on the bridle, and then put the race to bed. It's very straightforward in the Lee Roach. So, all credit to him and, and connections. Yeah, I I went back looking at at uh, New York City's runs last season and I just came to the conclusion he's just another one of Aiden's horses who wasn't right um, and so they they were trying with him but it just wasn't happening um, he was beaten by perfect power but, you know, he was 33s that day um, he ran well at the Curra um, as you say 7 length winner on his comeback he had to lead or at least be challenged for it and, and fight off another horse for the lead than Navin on his next start. And the fact that he was able to keep on going and you know not throw the towel in and go on and win, I thought was a really taking display. And I was with the market. I th- you know I, d- I didn't think six to five was fair, but I I'd, I'd backed him at a bigger price than that and was loving life when he kept on shortening. Uh, and then along comes this fella. So I, I think the fact that he was 40s beforehand just means that traders are a little bit on the back foot with him. And they don't quite know what to do with him. Also, his profile is so unusual that you know he was an 11 raced. You know, he raced 11 times as, as a juvenile. Maybe Michael thought he was a two-year-old and that he need to get, needed to get the best out of him. And then as the season went on, maybe started thinking, actually, this guy could... He's, He's taking his racing really well. He keeps coming out of his racing and and loves it. So if he's a bit like the uh, the the biscuits that um, Peter K joked about, dunk me again, <laughs> dunk me again. He just left. well, he's he's debuted in May, hasn't he? And then he's gone right through to November. So yeah. what a whole, you know, what a hardy little animal he is. And you know, he's 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 run on firm ground. He's run on good to soft yielding good even soft or heavy soft and heavy in places that the curra in may last year so you know all surfaces have come alike to him and you look through his record and yeah okay he might not have won that too many as a, as a juvenile but he's you know he's been there or thereabouts and been beating beating a couple of lengths in some really good races for the yeah. for the grade so yeah really really decent horse and of course lee roach has been on board on every time so you know what horse for him to to have going forward for for his three-year-old campaign oh wait we've just got news through to us at final front of podcast terrors uh the owners have decided to go with frankie de Tori for the commonwealth cup so lee roach jocked off oh <laughs> 
every horse, <laughs> every horse that we talk about going forward, it's just like, oh, Frankie's actually going to be riding that horse of the day. Um, <laughs> of course, uh, Frankie hasn't won the Commonwealth Cup. No, sorry, he has won it. He has won it. He won it for uh, Martin Mead and an advertise. Um, was the award will be bringing a few horses over. He hasn't won it, and um, and uh, of course, Frankie only won it once because last year's victory doesn't count. Dragon symbol should have kept that race. It was an absolute feckin' disaster. Oh, God. Anyway, of the horses we've talked about, who are you most excited about seeing next? Oh, it's a tough question. It's always come at the end, don't they? <laughs> uh, for me, I was extremely taken with Desert Crown out of out of all those. Of course, Baye would be the obvious choice, wouldn't he? But I think we've got a real, real favourite there for for the Derby, a real eye catcher who's, you know, he could come on again for that run considering the interrupted preparation that he had. Um, we could have a real star in our hands, I think. And wouldn't it be wonderful if Sir Michael Stout can, can find another good one and a- achieve another success? It could be his sixth success in the, the Epsom Derby. You see, without the, without the prime candidate for the Queen, unfortunately missing out, but, you know, Desert Crown is the one I think to to keep on side. Yeah, I think uh, Desert Crown is going to be very intriguing. I think that something might have a little bit too much for him on the day. We'll see. We'll see. We shall see. Um, of the horses we talked about, obviously Bayid is the very obvious contender. Look, racing needs to hang their hang its hat on Bayid. We need to really get behind him, and we need. Whoever it is that is supposed to be promoting racing to very much get behind him as well. Uh, come on. He's unbeaten. He's the superstar of racing. Obviously, that's the one you want to see. But with Royal Ascot in mind, Kiprios. There's no point in reviewing his yeah. race, but Kiprios. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited by him. And the Antarctic, for one that we went into a little bit more detail on. Um, the Antarctic. Let's throw him in there just to really spice things up. As Melissa's like, oh, for God's sakes. No, no, no. Uh, all Mel- speedball. <laughs> just all speed. And blitzes whatever Wesley Ward sends over. You know Wesley's going to have some bull of a two-year-old that comes over and is going to be favourite. So we're going to get the bigger price in the day. So don't be taking any Norfolk prices now. Uh, that's it. Melissa, pleasure as always. Thank you so, so much for your company today. Thank you. And we will talk to you again very, very soon on the Final Forum podcast. And we'll talk to you again very, very soon as well. We have a series of smaller podcasts that are coming out. Now, they're all huge in their own way. So we've got the Edna Bryan um, stable tour about his classic contenders for Epsom, which will include talk about the Irish 2000 and 1000 guineas. We have that conversation with Robbie Power, uh, a, a lengthened conversation with him about his retirement that's so some of the content that wasn't played on TalkSport 2 and um, some thoughts on who he thinks is now the best in the weighing room as well so as, a, as one of the, the latest of his generation to step away and we're also going to look back on the jump season yeah uh, we're going to take a look back on the highlights of the jump season with uh, one of the few remaining old schoolers he's going to love that Dennis O'Regan 
uh, will join us to look back on the jump season. So jumps fans, you're getting a little bit of a treat as well. Uh, all that and lots more to come. Weekend preview and uh, talk sport two live on Thursday as well. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Safe, be well. Take care. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by our official syndicate partner, All About Sunday. The latest trainer to join our ranks is Donald McCain. To celebrate, we'll be having a Sunday and Final Furlong Podcast Owners Morning on Saturday, April 16th at Bankhouse Stables to see Raffles Capital and the €150,000 purchase, Invincible Power, the most expensive horse Sunday have ever To join us, download the app or visit allaboutsunday.com. The ultimate racehorse ownership experience. And by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. Kaluki offer betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced traders, with instant withdrawals and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kaluki also have betting pitches at tracks across the UK, including additional ones at Cheltenham. Join us now at kalukisportsbook.co.uk.